WIOX is supported by you and the following underwriters. Sam's and Fleischmann's. Sam's Country Store Deli and Gas Station. Open every day for groceries, Mexican herbs, local craft beer, and with food to go, sandwiches, tortas, and tacos, and tamales on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Sam's on Main Street in Fleischmann's. Sam's Country Store NY.com. Totally good time on Main Street in Margaretville for graphic tees and sweatshirts with nostalgic phrases, humorous designs, and Catskills whimsy. Novelty items inspired by classic movies, TV, and pop culture. Open Saturdays from 11 to 5. Totally good time. Main Street in Margaretville. On Instagram at Totally Good Time and at TotallyGoodTime.com. The Mountain Eagle, the community newspaper and website serving the Catskills region, covering Delaware, Schoharie, Green, and northern Ulster counties, with local reporting, regional events, school sports, letters, and features, all in the Mountain Eagle. WIOX Roxbury is supported by you, and a really easy way to support WIOX is to donate your car or truck, one that you don't need anymore. You know, the one sitting out in the backfield or off the side of your driveway? We'll get the old clunker out of the way at no cost to you, but it could be worth hundreds of dollars to support WIOX. Learn more about WIOX vehicle donations at WIOXradio.org. Thank you. Listening to WIOX Community Radio, live and local in the Catskill Mountains at 91.3 FM and MTC Cable Channel 20, 107.5 FM on the campus of SUNY Delhi, and everywhere at WIOXradio.org on computers or smartphones. This is From the Forest. Every Wednesday, 6 to 7 p.m., we talk about a different forest-related topic. 
Uh, usually with Ryan and John. Ryan's out tonight. We got a familiar voice, though. He's on every so often. We're going to do a This and That show, forestry check-in with Mr. Mike Porter, president of the Catskill Forest Association, Backyard Sugar. Um, what else are you, Mike? Oh. <laughs> community <laughs> expert. I'm not a community expert, but community. Well, you've lived here your whole life. Yeah, You're a community expert. Yeah, I am, but I'm active in the fire department and... I was active on the planning board and the zoning board of appeals for town of Middletown. I've been a little bit of everything besides working when I was younger. But related to this show, you're a landowner. Um, you live in your forest on your off time, and yep. um, you are president of the Casco Forest Association. Yes, I am, and I'm proud of that. I really am. I think what CFA has done has been incredible. Yeah, so what do they do? Who are we? The, it's a member-supported organization that um, does things that for forest owners want. Yeah. How better do you put it? Because of the, we've changed over the years, and today we do a lot of things related to small land holdings and things that are up and coming and current. Mm -hmm. And there's new stuff coming all the time as, as landowners want it. So, so forestry education and services. Yeah, all forestry and the education part is critical. Yeah, uh, there's a lot of not education, and it really helps. Yeah, yeah. Well, so uh, this show is really going to be unstructured for the most part. We're just going to talk a little this and that of what we've been seeing in the woods since we've been trying to do that on this show from the forest about once a month now for the last three months so we've seen the spring late spring and now early summer so yep. now and that I, it's I, this is my first time taking part in this because i'm not gonna say you got stood up but your other two members couldn't come but they had something I, else to do yeah that's other stuff and uh i always enjoy coming on and I was in the woods today, sort of. Yeah, what'd you do today? Today, I uh, kind of worked on a hedgerow. We have a hedgerow between us and the neighbor, mm. and it it's totally overgrown with stuff that should was not supposed to be there, but it just came in, and it was a, a, a U that went from a nice bush to a five inch diameter tree mm. that was in just not in good shape elms and ash and some maple just a little bit of everything that so had to come out the so forest we, is encroaching on the, the, forest the landscape is encroaching on landscape and it, no one had to do anything to do it that's just the way it goes yeah you know yeah that's true you yeah. stop mowing your lawn for a season. Yeah. There's going to be some trees creeping in. That's part of the education that CFA does in that a lot of people want their trees left the way they are because they like them. But you say, well, if you leave them like this, they won't stay like this because there's a thing called succession. Yeah, right. And this thing called succession means that something else is going to come in and take over. And you can't do anything about it unless you cut or manage the ground in some way to keep things the way they are yeah i know i've done plenty of consultations where you go there and you know landowners don't have really a set mindset of goals so you start picking them apart and figuring out what they're here for and eventually we got to the end of a discussion and they said well i just 
bought it for the way it is, and I want it to stay that way as long as we're going to own it. I said, well, you got a lot of work to do. To yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's not the passive approach, that's yeah. for sure. Yeah. Especially when it's starting out young, to keep it young yeah. is the hardest. Yeah. Well, my piece of ground, I've got 17 acres, and five acres of it was a scotch pine plantation that was put in in the 60s as part of a conservation program for farmers. Mm-hmm. And scotch pine, in case people don't realize it, is not one of the most desirable trees to grow as a crop. It doesn't grow straight. It's kind of ugly when it's growing. If you go down to New York City land below Margaretville, you'll see it's dying. Um, but anyway, that five-acre or five acre piece, I went in first and took out a lot of dead stuff because my initial plan was to use the trees to build my log cabin, mm-hmm. which is something else we'll talk about later. So I went through and I, I scaled everything, knew what I had, um, kind of marked the trees that I was going to cut to build the cabin. I had a certain dimension I needed, like I think it was nine inches. And we took out somewhere in the neighborhood of 100 trees mm-hmm. to make the cabin. And today, the scotch pine forest, is they're still there. The trees are getting really big and really nice and i kind of attribute that to the fact that we took a lot out and with thinning in the yeah. 80s yeah thinning back in the 80s well you're cutting trees now can you see in the growth rings and the stumps that that thinning? yeah you can you can see them doing well and there are some that are not doing well and those trees are going to get cut come fall some of them they're all the same age and they're a third the diameter mm. They're going to get cut for a Casco Forest event, a three-day event. Well, people take them down. We'll show how to build a log cabin from it. Oh, cool. And the bird species that were in that set of woods, when we first bought it, you always saw black-throated green warblers. They were constantly there. And when you read about where you find them, it's pine forests. Mm. Today, Becky says she hears one. Whether it's my hearing going bad or what, but I haven't heard a black-throated green warbler in there in seven or eight years. So it's the evolution of the woods. And all we've done is remove remove a few trees, and they're being replaced by hardwoods. Mm-hmm. We have good maple. We have some oak and a lot of black birch. Okay. Yeah, that's pretty common. Yeah, um, it is. And in, a, in a shade intermediate yep. giving it some thinning and giving it some light light openings yeah, and then the the ash and the ash i'm in the in the process of taking out to save the lumber because i have a sawmill that i i'm gonna make some flooring and try to sell it hmm. i would use it myself but i don't have a place to put flooring so i figure out someone might benefit from my wood cool, cool. yeah well, that's pretty neat. So you have a, a property that you've uh, you know been caretaking for what forty five years well, now since eighty eight. Oh, okay. I don't know how many years. That's a long time. Twelve and twenty three, thirty five years. Yeah. All right. So you know it's, it's neat that you can you know track the trees backwards and yeah. remember what they were and and understand that you know the changes you made. 35 years ago are, are present now in the forest and yep. how that affected other trees, yep. how that affected wildlife. Right. And the the people, the foresters that know Scotch Pine, look at what I've got and they say, holy cow, that's really nice. No, there's no doubt. You have one of the nicest stands of, of Scotch yeah, Pine in, in the area. 
I can I can do 18, 20 inch wide slabs mm-hmm. from it. It's really nice. Yeah, they're tall and straight, yeah. and relative speaking. They're, yeah. not, they're no white pine. No, but. no. When I, to to kind of share, when I built the log cabin, the longest log I could get to make a cabin wall was thirteen feet. So I had to splice and uh, do all sorts of things. And today, I think you know some of them are still crooked, but even with the sweep in them, they're big enough. You could, if you had the equipment to lift them, you could use like twenty feet, twenty five feet. Wow! So they've, as they've grown, they've gotten straighter. Mm-hmm. Which they're building out. They're it's not they're straighter. They're just getting bigger enough so that they, you can do that. Yep. Well, what's uh, current in the woods? You've been up there a lot lately. You've seen anything this uh, summer that's uh, in the last couple of weeks? The fawns are getting big. Yeah, they run around the, yeah. the field. There's, there's a there's a pair of fawns down the road from us that we've seen now, probably for three or four weeks. Hmm. And first saw them first. There were those little knock kneed little things. Mm-hmm. The, when we saw them today, they were. I said, they're awful big, so they're growing like crazy right now. Yeah. And that's part of the season, so it's cool. Yeah, I traveled Friday for the holiday weekend, Friday after work, and I hit the hour, the deer hour, right? And um, first time that this season I've seen pretty much all the fawns were out with their mothers. You know, they weren't hiding them anymore. Yep. And uh, on a two-hour drive, I saw a dozen, yeah. 15 maybe. Wow, yep. There was a lot of fawns out. So Yeah, there have been a lot. So I've finally seen bears. I don't know why... I don't know why uh, this spring I hadn't had any bear encounters, and now I've every week. The last wow. couple of weeks I've been seeing bears. We haven't seen a bear yet this year. Yeah, there's one. I walked up on the woods. It was a quiet, quiet day for a hike. It was pretty wet. It rained earlier, and I wasn't trying to be quiet, but you know, I was just walking straight up the hill, and he was contouring, or she, or whatever. The bear was contouring, and we crossed paths, and it never knew I was there. Wow. I saw it first and just stopped. I wasn't hiding. I was just stopped and stood yep. still. And if you're not moving, they don't really catch you. Yeah. They rely on their nose so much. Yeah. And uh, you know, the wind was kind of blowing right to left, and that was the way the bear was moving. So it was just paralleling the wind. No way for me to, you know, it to catch my wind. Yeah, it's fun. Just walked up, stood up on a on a log, kind of looked around where you can see down the hill for a ways, wow, and cool. kept walking. It was just kind of. It's fun to watch them when they have no idea. Yeah, they're it, in their own, you know, their zone, their own zone. Yep. wasn't it? Wasn't like you're seeing one around a house that was yeah. after bird seed or something yep. silly, you know? It's, yeah, Becky watched the fireworks in Margaretville last night, and she usually sits on the porch. Hmm. And there's a usually it's like I I was home two years ago with her when she had knee surgery, so I watched it from home, and I've never done that before. And she says, if you look between those two tree crowns, you'll see fireworks. <laughs> so I said, okay. So we saw one explosion, and it was way beyond the, the margins of what you could see. Mm. But she went down next to the street and took a rocking chair down sat right by the telephone pole on the corner. And as she's sitting there, a fox goes right up the street. Oh, yeah? Yeah, right in front of her. And then a few minutes later, the neighbors had gone. They actually had come down to the fairgrounds for the to do some rides and she heard or saw something on their porch and this is right in the village of Margaretville and she goes over real quiet and there's a almost white skunk hmm. right on the porch right on the porch right on the porch so she said 
maybe I ought to shoo it away. So she, I don't know, I can't picture it how she did it because there was only one way on the porch. But she got around it so that she kind of encouraged it to go off the porch. Very brave. Yeah, very brave. <laughs> yeah. And I'd seen that skunk once this winter. I came home from a fire call at 3 in the morning. One of the other guys in the fire department came up behind me and I'm parking in my driveway. And he says, hey, Mike, don't go down to the house yet. No, I said, there's a big skunk down there. Uh, so I waited a few minutes and walked down, and it was a big white skunk. Mm. It was just going out past the door. Wow. So it's there, and a neighbor had seen it at her house. So that's cool. And we have a lot of foxes in the neighborhood. It's just Mostly gray foxes? Oh, uh, a lot of them, yeah. We, yeah. There's, there's some that we've seen some that are red, but mostly they're gray. Hmm. And uh, one time... Becky, we came home from somewhere, and there was a mallard duck wing on the sidewalk. Oh, really? Yeah. Just the whole wing. And she looked up. I said, what are you looking for? <laughs> she says, I was wondering what happened to that duck. <laughs> and then we realized that it was foxes standing under the barns. Well, we were, what, you think the, fox, uh, the, the duck she just lost the wing mid have, flight? That was, that was what went through my mind. It was funny. Um <laughs> We were spending some time on the Finger Lakes this weekend. We were out on a boat, and <coughs> the south end of this lake, um, they flow south to north, those lakes. So the south end has got the inlet coming into it, and it's real shallow there. Yeah. For the last, I don't know, several hundred yards, it's too shallow for a boat to go safely. You know, a yeah. lot of kayakers out yeah. there. but So a lot of wildlife gathers, a lot of food out there, um, tons of ducks, right? So we're watching... Uh, this bald eagle fly over us. It flew over the boat, and it's cruising speed. It's not way up, but it's not yeah. not hunting. It's not low. He's just cruising, and you could see he's just going out and out and out. He flies over the docks, and you could see him change his mind. Like, <laughs> you know what? I think I can get one of those. Does a one eighty and just goes in and full dive full mode. Di oh wow! And talons out. Just dives down to the water, grabs one of the ducklings, <laughs> kept flying. The the hen mallard chased after him for, I don't know, 20, 30 yards. Yeah. And she came wow. back to the rest of them. But everybody in the boat was like, oh, my God. And I said, well, that's nature, guys. Yeah, that's, that's what's happening whether you're, uh, you know, you're paying attention or not. That's yeah, happening all the time. Exactly. That duckling would have been probably taken by a... Could have been anything. Anything. Yeah. Pike, probably. Yeah. They, they eat a lot of yeah. ducklings. So, anyway, that was, you know, fun to see, for me, anyway. It's, yeah. Got to see it's, You know, it's, it's, it's nature. Like, we, you and I watched the Cooper's Hawk devour a pigeon at a mm. bird feeder. Yeah. People say, oh, that's so bad for the pigeon. Well, the hawk has to live. Right, it's good for the hawk. Yeah, the hawk. And it was a really, really interesting thing to watch you know and it something about it it was fourth of july everybody's rooting for the eagle yeah exactly <laughs> yeah. yeah sorry duck yeah <laughs> you're done um well it's wildlife well the bucks i've been seeing um seeing some their antlers are getting there i've only seen one with antlers so far i've seen a couple now where you can count all the times they're gonna have you know they're formed they're yeah. not fully formed in size and length but enough where you can tell if they're going to have six points eight points ten yeah. points whatever wow. so that's getting fun I like, I like to pay attention to the deer especially this time of year because they're very 
if they can be sightable, they're going to be very sightable. It's hard to describe that. So, like a mountain buck's always going to be in the mountains and and living there. And yeah. if that's they 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 don't need to go real far for their their calorie needs this time of year. Yeah. Nor do they want to because they're spending so much energy growing their antlers. Yeah. So if they they find their little zone, they stick to it. So like there's a deer up up the road from me. I haven't seen it lately just because I haven't been looking for him. But if I go looking for him, if I drive up the road tonight. When I get home from the show, it'll be a good hour to do it. I'll probably see them. Yeah. So anyway, um, they're very sightable if you want to go pay attention to a few of them. You just got to not scare them, you know. Yeah. I'm talking deer coming out into fields. They're probably yep. going to be there the same time of day every night as long as you're not spooking yep. they're them. They're creatures of habit. That's right, as long as the food's there. Yeah. And the last bear I saw, he was in the heat. He was uh, crossing the road around the reservoir. He was going for a drink. Yeah. He went under the, underneath the guardrail and... Yeah, we've seen them crawl under the guardrails down there too, and it's it's interesting because they're not small. And I think about trying to crawl under that guardrail. I said, I don't think I could do it. <laughs> and they crawl right under. Yeah. I saw turkey poults for the first time this year. Did you? They were small, maybe baseball maximum, maybe wow. smaller than a baseball. Wow. They're pretty small. I wonder how they made out with if they're that small. They probably just a couple weeks old i wonder how they made out with all the rain because i know the rain bothers them when they're in the nest yeah there's a sensitive time i think it's most sensitive right after they hatch if we get a lot of rain when they're real real little Mm -hmm. it's not good um maybe don't quote me on that but yeah there is a sensitivity to uh to rain in this when they're at some stage yeah but i don't know it was pretty dry for most of may so anything that hatched at that point, yeah, I'm sure was the geese small. are big. The geese are big. Some of them are molt, molting. Yeah, yeah, they're ready to go. Yeah. So, you been running your sawmill at all? I mean, you got a sawmill. Um, right? I, I haven't done much. I actually started doing some stuff the other day, and it's out of adjustment, and I didn't have the sense of humor to adjust it. It's not easy to adjust. It just takes uh, infinite little adjustments and. Oh, what throws it out? I'm not sure. I'm not sure what threw it out, but it ran the blade off the back of the wheel. Ooh. It didn't go all the way off, so I can get it back. But then I have to make the fine-tune adjustments on the... I guess it would be like the caster and camber on a car, so they stay lined up. i got to do that, and I didn't have the sense of humor. Gotcha. It was starting to rain, and it was hot. And I said, yeah, I'm not going to do this today. So I pulled it into the run-in shed and said i'm gonna come back to this so one of these days i'll go back up and get it right yep. but i'm i've got uh some ash to cut and some scotch pine and larch and uh, then i'm gonna work on the some get some more ash cut for that floor yeah i want to yeah i want to make enough to sell for a floor sweet do all like one by six and then the person can have it uh kiln dried wherever they want Mm-hmm. Um, I did find a, a solar kiln over in Gilboa. A friend of my brother's had it, and he's not using his mill anymore. He sold the whole mill out of the shed. And I can use that if I refurbish it. It needs a new window, and it's it's totally uh, convection. You know, it mm-hmm. just warms up. and No fans blowing in there? No, though? not that I know of. 
Well, so you, could, you could always install those. Yeah, I could. Yeah, I could put a solar panel on it and yeah, put a little fan on. But I'm, I'm thinking I might take some of the stuff that I really want to play with and try that. Just mm-hmm. try it, you know. Yeah. See, see what happens. Good. You should. Yeah, because I got plans for a, a solar kiln that I said, oh, I can make, I can cut all the lumber I need for it. I just have to get the hardware for the other stuff. But I haven't done it. <laughs> so if you find one already built, why bother? Right. Yeah. Save the time. Yeah. And I think Clayton would be interested in seeing it. We used again anyway. He's the guy that owns it. He said it worked out well for him doing he it that hadn't way? hadn't used it in a long, long time. I know, back in the day. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. And it's, <clears throat> if I'm going to build something that I know is going to be totally indoors and really fine, I'm going to want to kiln dry it Definitely. in a, you know, another place. But if I'm just doing something that's marginal, that might be on a porch or that's not going to have glue-ups, just air drying or a uh, solar kiln would be good enough. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to play around with it one of these days. Cool. Awesome. Yeah. That's on my list. Well, the uh, sycamore, I haven't really seen many sycamore I guess around here, uh, where I'm paying attention, um, coming back strong. Yeah, they got anthracnose. They do every year. They lose their leaves. Um, I I looked today. Uh, did you? Yeah, I looked around at sycamore, and it 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 would scare people that didn't know what was going on and know that it does happen to our trees. Yeah, every spring they defoliate. They get anthracnose. It's a fungus. Um, around here, they're not coming back strong yet, but where I was in the Finger Lakes all weekend, um, they've come back just fine. So I would, you know, probably judge that area as yeah. two weeks ahead of us. Yeah. At least a week. So give it two weeks and reassess. I think that's the same thing that hits the apple trees in the fall, if I'm not mistaken. It's definitely what got the maple two years ago. Yeah. There's maple anthracnose. Yeah. Remember everything? Uh, yeah. Yep. Late summer. Some maples started defoliating. Everybody got worried about Dropping their, their leaves. Yeah, about maple yeah. sugar crop, and yep. so it happens. Don't worry about it as long as it's not too repetitive. Yep. You know, stress trees might you know take a hit if it's repetitive for yep. three years or more. And the oaks coming back good from being frozen. Yeah, our oak looks good now. Most oaks. Um, yeah. Some are now getting. They got frozen. Now they're getting hip. Um, gypsy moss. Legi- <laughs> gypsy moss. Yeah, I know. <laughs> It's like a one-two punch. I can't yeah. take a break. I yeah. can't can't get a break. But oh well, well, yep. well. Um, I don't know. Like I said, if, as long as it doesn't happen repetitively, defoliating. Yeah. Um, for more than three years. After that is when we start to worry. But you know, the strongest of the trees will do just fine. And it, if they were stressed from something else, you know, they probably yeah. weren't looking great to begin with. But yeah. this is from the forest every Wednesday, six to seven PM we talk about a different forest related topic. Tonight, Mike Porter and I are talking this and that and doing a forestry check in, just talking about what we've been seeing in the woods for the last month or so.
of sharks were just swimming Pushed off the beaches, knowing how to well Wood cracks in the wood, and tissue paper cells The storm came on around, and we knew that we were done Sat there laughing at the situation This is from the forest on WIOX Community Radio 91.3 FM. Every Wednesday, 6 to 7 p.m., we talk about a different forest-related topic on From the Forest. That was uh, Send the Fisherman by Camp. So Mike, Mike Porter, he's on with me tonight. We're just talking this and that, um, talking about a forestry check-in for the beginning of summer, since this is our first check-in since summer began. Yeah, and... and I know you've been working with CFA's newest toy, yeah. Which is, it's the envy of me. Oh yeah. Yeah, I'm a chainsaw mill person from way back, but I only had a little eight cut up to eighteen inches. Mm. You've got one now that's like half a house at once. <laughs> well, uh, next time I schedule, I'll, I'll bring you into the loop. You can come along. Yeah. I'm always looking for help, and yeah. it's a. 
it's really cool because the chainsaw mill, you can take it on site. You don't need a tractor unless you're going to carry your, your slabs out. That's one thing I make clear. Yeah, you've got to have some because slabs can be pretty heavy. Yeah, so yeah, this is called an Alaska chainsaw mill. So basically, it's just an aluminum jig system that mounts to your chainsaw bar and allows you to slab lumber. Yeah, and it, it's really accurate. Right. Yeah, really accurate. Exactly. Yeah. So um, this one's oversized, though. This is on steroids. It's about as big as you can go with one chainsaw head. Yep. Uh, after that, they make them with double-ended bars. You can put two chainsaws, one on I each know. end. And <laughs> that's getting crazy. That is crazy. We don't really have the trees here to do that. No. You know, you got big. It's big enough for what you need. I mean, we've milled with this setup. We've milled three now, and all three. You'll. Are there bigger trees out there? Sure, but. This is the top end of as big as a yard tree gets. Yeah, being, and you're not going to want to, with with that saw, you're not going to want to do anything too much bigger. Right, because these slabs got to be useful for something, yeah. right? I mean, what the heck is a 50-something inch slab useful for? Yeah, I mean, other than a hard, conference table. Yeah, you're going to have a hard time flattening it. You're going to have yeah. a hard time getting it dry so it doesn't split and warp. Yeah, so this one's maximum cut is 42 and a half inches. I can get 43. Three and a half. If I take the dogs off the yeah. saw, which I'll probably do. Yeah, might as well max it out. Yeah, exactly. You might need that extra inch and a half. That's right. That's right. So, um, I've done a. Um, you can go back on uh, Catskill Forest Association's Instagram page and see some of this stuff. But uh, we did a uh, tap hole maple. Yeah, of, I was there for that one. Yeah, that was our I, test log. Yeah, that was the. That was where I'm drooling. <laughs> that was a real treat. I know. So it was amazing. This was, uh, oh, I would say uh, 40-ish inch, yeah, maybe was, larger at the base. But on average, I think the slabs we got out of it were like 36. Yeah. It was beautiful wood. Yeah. Yep. Um, so the trees were, it was dead. The top blew out of it. So, but it recently happened. So the yeah. log was still good. The log was solid. So it's, it had to come down. Not what? Well, it didn't have to come down. It could have been a dead snag in the, yep. in the forest. But it, to be useful, it came down. The snag came down. Uh, we cut it. Um, it had about 200 rings. It was a 200-year-old sugar maple, which is getting old for the Catskills. That's that's real old. We can talk about that in a little bit. I want to talk a little bit about our old growth hike we did last weekend. Um, one of Catskill Forest Association's events that you missed if you weren't if you weren't there listening. But anyway, um, yeah, 200-year-old sugar maple. And uh, had been tapped. It was part of a sugar bush. And all the trees are even aged um, in this whole stand of trees in the forest. And uh, you can see the bulge around about four, three and a half to four and a half, five feet high. Um, that was yeah. all the callus wood that had been formed around all the dozens and dozens and dozens of tap yeah. holes over the years um, from yeah, maple sugaring. One of the things that, uh, that impressed me about the site was the tree was growing right next to what was the sap house. There was yeah. a foundation, and right above it was a concrete cistern that kept the sap. And being a maple syrup person, you have to appreciate what those old-timers did. They probably had flat pans, yeah. and they used horses to draw the sap up to this tank, and they used gravity to make it run into the evaporator. Yeah, like you said, that tree had stood there and it watched. It, it watched all that sap yeah. get boiled over the years, and it, it supplied some of it. That's right. You know, it's, it's always something special about 
seeing what good your tree has given you. Yeah. I don't know. It's probably the... Now you can think about how many uh, how many gallons of urine that the old guys peed on. That was their pee tree. <laughs> yeah, it was their pee tree. But yeah, but you know, but even then, it it grew well. <laughs> Maybe that's the secret fertilizer. There must be something there. But it really, it's just so nice to to be able to get something out of what you what you've got. Yeah. Yeah, and the landowner is going to use these slabs. He's got a bar top. And he's going to he's going to build a bar in this basement. And this, this will be the bar top and uh, the woodwork around it and the bench and the stools. Yeah, it'll be a, it'll be a, one of those jobs where if you watch it on a YouTube, it's done over two years or yeah. more because it's not going to come overnight. It's no, these slabs they have to air dry for one to two years, and then hopefully it'll take the effort to get, get them kiln get them dried. Kiln dried. Yeah. You know, and that'll take another many months yeah. for the thickness that we yeah. did yeah they were and so you're gonna have to have a tractor to move them in every stage uh, exactly so you're talking you know from the day they got cut to final install it could easily be three years yeah oh easily maybe more so but yeah. hey you know power to them yeah um so that was the first one then the next one we did last week this was an accord um huge red oak and not that old the rings i don't think ryan took pictures i didn't take pictures of the rings some of them were like five eighths maybe even three quarters wow i'm not joking that's uh, huge. over half inch was it an open grown tree yeah it was a yard tree mm-hmm. and the soil there is we've cut other trees down the valley further in the past we cut a, a black walnut had to come down showing signs of rot in the roots and we're afraid of it uprooting yeah. and he was going to do something with the space so everything came together we said you know what why don't you do your project here we'll take down the tree we'll mill it anyway um that one 36 inch bar on the chainsaw we had a double bore cut wow and uh not a lot so maybe it was like a 38 or 40 inch yeah, but you couldn't get through it couldn't get through it and it only had 64 rings wow amazing right that's that's what you call growing like a weed <laughs> yeah so this soil's clearly deep because yeah. uh walnut's got a tap root so that was going down far so does the oak so does the oak so it's deep soil and uh nutrient dense and they were tall and huge and i didn't count the rings i think ryan might have in this oak um but based on the history of the valley it's probably not a whole lot older than that walnut was yep. So if you had it at 80 to 100 years, for its size, it was giant yeah. for its age. Anyway, um, so we milled that. And to be honest with you, I mean, it was beautiful for what it was, but it wasn't character like the old maple was. Yeah, you couldn't see the tap holes in it, or you couldn't see the No, No history it. to it. The only history of human history we found in the log was about 28 years ago, it got a structural pruning must have had some dead and dying uh, branches yeah. down lower. And they all got pruned off. You can tell it was done by an arborist. It was very nice cuts. Mm-hmm. And um, the tree had carp- carpmentalized, or yeah, the, the cuts yep. and grown over top of them. So there was no evidence of these. Yeah, I saw the pictures on Facebook of that. Yeah, yeah. so check was, those out if you have It was cool, yeah. Um, but most of the logs, or most of the slabs, rather, had zero zero sign of human yeah. history, and there's no other. They're perfect. I mean, they would have probably been if it wasn't a yard tree. It could have been a veneer log. Yeah. Um, really cool, cool wood. 
And then the third one, and the last one, is the one I did today. Uh, that was, um, if anybody's been driving by uh, where Route 6 and 28 meet in Bovina there, uh, this log's been sitting there for about eight months. Everybody's been look, talking about it on because <laughs> it's big. <laughs> um, put it this way, I couldn't do the butt log. Nor did I really want to. The landowner didn't either. Uh, it was right next, there at the corner of an old farmhouse. Yep. We're sure it was going to have hardware in yep. it. Didn't want to screw up the saw and the saw blade. So we opted out of the first, like, 10 feet and then cut the next 8 feet. So this was from 10 to 18 feet up. And I almost maxed out that 42-inch wow. bar. Um, I was about inch and a half, two inches shy. So it was in the 40-inch so range at one point. That's pushing a lot of wood through a saw. Oh, we're talking 18 feet high. Yeah. <laughs> So it's this one. It's again. It didn't have a lot of character wood to it, but its massiveness yeah. was the impressive part. Yeah, and being soft wood, it probably cut nice. Oh, it cut like butter. Yeah, and you could compare to moving those oak slabs. These moved yeah. easy. <laughs> yeah, well, I remember trying to help move the maple slab. Oh yeah, and I don't lift what I used to, and I could hardly slide it, much less lift it. Because we had it was that da- it was downhill and the slab slid as soon as it was finished being cut and you had to push it back uphill to get the saw out and I couldn't do it. I mean, you can figure out the weight on those. They're probably I don't know. We look at charts every now and then to look at um, a log's um, potential weight per cut. So arborists need this tool if they're making cuts off trees yeah. um, to understand uh, the load bearing on the ropes, the leverage they need, how to lower properly whatnot yep. they might need all these stuff so um really quick there's a chart that it's got a spinning access to it so mm-hmm. you can line up the species with the length of the cut and the diameter and it'll spit out a a oh. known weight well, of what that yep. chunk is going to be so we've played around a lot of these woods are in the, these hardwoods these dense hardwoods are in the 60 something pounds um per cubic foot um so I don't know, these slabs, the maple slab you held was what? We did with three inches? Three inches. Three inches by eight foot six by, by 34, 30, 36 yeah. inches wide. So someone, on, if you're interested, could do that math yeah. on your couch. But figure out the cubic feet of that and times 60-something, 60 65. Yeah. Heavy, They're heavy. Heavy, heavy. Many hundreds of pounds. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, that's what I've been doing. And then what I'm excited for coming up is not a uh, Alaska mill job, is a... Uh, we have a portable sawmill too, a band mill. Um, I'm gonna go do a black gum log. I've never even seen black gum. You want to come along? I'll invite you. Where is it? Kerhonkson. Mm, Kerhonkson. Yeah, get out of the, really out of the Catskills, and there's all sorts of weird wood or well, different wood. I'm still in the Catskills. Yeah, but it's outskirts. Not, it's yeah. It's, You're in the foothills, heading towards the the east southern eastern slopes. Yeah, it's definitely different. Yeah. Yeah, you get into southern Ulster County, eastern Ulster County, southern Sullivan, you start to pick up things like tulip poplar, uh, uh, black gum, and a lot of chestnut oak. Things that us here at the IOX studio right now at 91.3 is not going to find in central Delaware no. County. Um, no. Though I know I know where there's one chestnut oak in uh, Margaretville. Well, there's a bunch of it on uh, Roman's Nose. Yeah, so the northern and... Yeah. Uh, and, yep. and that, that blew my mind. Well, I mean, but, it's it's a fire-dependent species. So you get into these big river valleys. Every slope, leaving the Catskills, where there's big river valleys, you're going to start finding that stuff. Yep. When I was teaching way back, uh, I did Envirothon mm. through the Soil and Water Conservation Districts. And 
our, we would compete in the Hudson Valley. And one of the things was tree identification. And the very first year we went, the kids really butchered chestnut oak because I didn't know what it was, and I hadn't taught them that. Oh. And I said to somebody later, what is that? Because we got it wrong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, um, yeah, it's, I said, oh, that's not from up by us. So and that was interesting. But you learned a lot comparing the, the lower elevations to here. Yeah. Well, again, those fire-dependent species that you're going to see near river valleys and old, you know, human history. But, well, speaking of chainsaw mill, Mike, you got an event coming up in the fall at your place, right? Yeah, I do. Um, last year, at the end of the year, Ryan and John and Zane and Zara began talking about the efficacy of the events and the fact that people didn't seem to respond to the single-day event. And they wanted to try three-day events where they got in, into depth in depth about stuff. So in the spring... CFA did apple pruning, apple tree pruning, and grafting. It was all things apple was all what it was apple, called. Yeah. So, I mean, pruning, grafting, planting, um, and it had structural. A, um, and a chainsaw class, to game of logging. We class. threw in game of logging because pretty much everything we talk about, you're going to have a chainsaw in your yeah. hand at some point. Yeah. So I'm thinking, what what can I do to help that? Because I, lo- I have three events that I do otherwise besides this. What can I do? I can host or help with. I do birding. I do wreath making. I do maple syrup. Mm-hmm. I said, you know what? I built a log cabin. And I basically built it by hand. And it's still standing. So maybe I can deal with that. 35 years ago. It's still 35 standing. years ago. And I vowed I'd never do it again because it was hard. Yeah. It was a lot of work. We had a 46 willies for a skitter in a boom truck and a 45-year-old chainsaw. Oh, boy. Yeah. At the time it was 45? Uh, probably, yeah. Is that thing still kicking? No, I traded it in on my big Johnsered. Darn. Yeah. It was. It had no no safety features whatsoever. Oh, I know. I've got a 1970s steel that yeah. fires this right up, a, though. This was a partner. And it ran the mill. But, yeah. Oh, it was it vapor-locked after one tank of gas. But anyway, we bought our property with the intent that I wanted to build a cabin, and Becky wanted the view. So I wanted a pine forest and a swamp, and she wanted a view. So we bought down in a hole mm-hmm. with a pine forest and a swamp, and we cut trees to make a view. Perfect. <laughs> and it's the best of all worlds. But we decided to build a cabin. And uh, my brother worked for Alta. Becky's father had worked for as a carpenter and he had done some alta cabins so they had knowledge of stuff and the thing that we were going to do was use a chainsaw got alaskan sawmill which you just talked about small 24 inch bar um and we went through and i scaled all my trees and we used the jeep to pull them out my kids were like eight and ten and they became the hookers. They they tended the logs on the ground, and they yep. could they could hook up a log with a chain to the back of that jeep and roll it away from a stump at ten and eight. Perfect. Yeah, it, they got really good at it. So we drag them down to where we're going to build the cabin. I built a guide out of two by fours and two by six to make the first cut on the logs, and 
we got to the point where we could do a full course of logs. And this was 18 by 24 with a 12 by 12 bedroom on the back. So it was a bump out. So we had to do, you can add it up, it's that many feet of logs a day. Right. We cut the trees, dragged them down, milled them to thickness, all the same thickness, because each day we set the, that we could do all the top cuts and then all the bottom cuts. So everything was the same. Mm-hmm. And then peeled them and put them up in 24 hours. Wow. So we built a green log cabin. And my brother said, it's never going to fly. And my father-in-law says, how many years is this going to take you? And I said, we're going to get it done. We we got going. We The saw was a problem, the, uh, the old partner saw. We, it vapor locked. So you, if you could get through most of the logs in a day, you were doing good. Okay. You needed. I was just ready to get rid of it when it got cold. And once it got cold, it didn't vapor lock. So we would do a full course of logs easily in a day. And it was 13 courses. And I wanted to do like 15 just to make it tall enough. But I said, 13's plenty. We can get the doors. We have everything we need. We built in um, shrinkage in the logs because it, they, the litter tried red with green is you have to have about a half an inch to three quarters of an inch of leeway for the logs to shrink over time. Mm-hmm. So we splined the door casings and window casings to hold the logs in place. We used rebar to hold it from flopping over and we end nailed each course of logs. And we got done. We finished it in, in that year. We were we were inside dried in as they call it on Columbus Day and we'd started in late July. Wow. Yeah. And uh, it was an awesome thing. And it really came, it, we, we spent $5,000 building the, the cabin the way it started out, the way it was done. Mm-hmm. We since put some good flooring in it and a roof on the porch. And we put a little bit more in it, but not much. So we got like $6,000 in this cabin. And I said, let's do a cabin building workshop. Since the thing is still standing, I must have done something right. <laughs> you know, and I'm not a carpenter. And I was especially back then not a carpenter. I just had this urge to build a cabin. So I devised a, a guide to send out to Catskill Forest Association members that went through a three-day program. And uh, in the end, they would cut a tree. They would mill it using the chainsaw mill which I still have, and we could, we'll could, we do it with a two-by-four or with the nice fancy thing you got, and we'll get them milled, take them to my bandsaw mill and do the thickness cut just to speed things up a little bit. Take them down, peel them, and we're going to build like a, a shell of a shed just so each person can build a course, learn to do the corners, and all of the stuff that's necessary to make it awesome. It, it's gonna. I'm excited about it. Yeah, me too. Because I have, I've had people ask me about it. You know, yeah. asking some specifics of what we're gonna learn. And other than you know the note sheet you gave me, I tell them, look, I'm gonna be there to learn just as much as you. And it was. Uh, I'll help moderate and and help, but yeah. I, I can't do much teaching. On it I can't a, wait. It was a great experience. Yeah. And the chainsaw mill 
is remarkably effective. And you watch shows in Alaska, and those guys use their chainsaw mills to build everything. Yeah. And I was going to do even my roof rafters and stuff, but you get to a point where you say, eh, the winter's coming. And right. we bought the we bought the roof. But um, the logs came out good. They have remained basically airtight. We insulated between them. The corners are good so that there's no air coming in. I'm just really pleased with how it came out. Oh, I've been there. It's it's an awesome spot to hang yeah. out. It's cool. So yeah, that's good. Uh, you know, th- it's the one thing. It's one of the things that I can give back to CFA and to the members of CFA. I've done a lot of writing and things like that, but this is something tangible, and you know, it's in your hand. So it's going to be a three-day workshop, right? Yep. Um, we asked anybody that comes, has game of logging. Yes, yes. Last time we threw it in, but that takes a whole day to teach. Yeah. And um, it's not exactly the main focus of this. Um, so we asked, you're going to need to use a chainsaw. So we asked that you take it ahead of time. Um, classes we offer all summer long. This is going to be a no- November course. Yes. So there might be a chance for you to get game of logging ahead of time yeah. and sign up. Um, but, yeah, it's it's... A great deal for what it is. It's three days long. First weekend in November, yep, is that right? First weekend in November. So it's before hunting season. That's right. If John was going to do it, it had to be before hunting season. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you want, three days of my time. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and then um, what else? Um, there is, uh, if that sparked your interest, Mike's pitch, there's registration at CatskillForest.org, uh, Catskill Forest Association's website. You can check out our events. That'll be there. Look at, um, you know, what makes sense for you. And I think there's only three to five three slots, spots, spots left. left. So, um, we did cap it. It's just, yeah. we can't have that many people in the woods at once and yeah. make it efficient. So, yeah. And I, I, I think maybe I, maybe I've overstepped my bounds a little bit, but there are a couple of people that don't want to take the class either that they are not able to or not. But just come and audit. You know, if you can, if you stand back and you watch. They could make lunch. <laughs> you know, they, there's something they could do. Well, my son-in-law was excited about it. Well, maybe Michael puts you to work and uh, you get to watch. Yeah, there's something that that you can learn and you can gain an appreciation for it. Because it really, I, I, you know, I, I hate to say it, but it really did come out nicer than we ever thought it would. <laughs> <laughs> well, from the process you've described to me, so the first time I ever went there, I said, wow, it's a beautiful cabin. And, um, and then once I learned about the process and thought about it hard, I didn't know exactly how to use a chainsaw mill at the time. You yeah. explained all this. And yeah. it's like, oh, that's cool, that's cool, yeah. that's cool. Now that I know in depth how to use it, what to do. Boy, I could really appreciate the work you put in. Yeah, oh, it was <laughs> it was hours and hours. As Becky used to say, we had more hours than dollars in it. Well, that's something to be proud of. Yeah, then. it was. Because a lot of times it ends up you got a lot of dollars and hours. Yeah, in. <laughs> yeah. And we, I mean, we used um, used windows. We used uh, seconds of sliding glass doors for picture windows. Yeah, they mm-hmm. work great. No, My father in law made the doors. He made a table for it and. He has some like super wide white pine, so that everything is really neat that he made. Mm. And uh, that's your table and the right? table and the doors both. Mm. They're all the same log. Gotcha. Yeah. So it it I I really think it's going to be interesting for the people that have this yen. You know, let me see what this is about. And a person who wants to build a cabin doesn't have the trees can probably find somebody that sell them the logs. Oh yeah. 
you know, and uh, doing it yourself. It's like the stuff I make with my sawmill. Making furniture or something, it's so special. So it's, you know, I, I can't say it enough. It's special, and you'll enjoy it. Well, Mike, it's about a minute left. Is there anything? Is, is there anything else you want to spit out here uh, to the people? I don't know. I think if if you're not a member of Catskill Forest Association, we have people that have. Uh, well, my sister's a member. She wanted to get a couple trees planted. She had a like a quarter acre lot. They've since bought two more acres. You don't need much to be a member of Catskill Forest Association. Oh yeah, and right. the benefits are incredible. The programs, um, the the information that's available, really good. Well, and those are all things that we. That's how we created this show tonight. Yep. Just talking about what we see in the woods yep. and on and people's properties all week. But. It's one of the things that I take the most pride in is how CFA is growing and doing all that. If you missed last weekend's event, we did an old growth forest hike. Um, that was a lot of fun. Dr. Michael Kudish, who writes for our newsletter, Catskill Forest Association's newsletter, often um, took us on a hike to a stand of. Um, old growth trees, and if you missed it, we could do a whole show on what old growth is versus old trees are. We talked about some old trees on the show tonight that were standing in people's yards, but they aren't an old growth forest. Um, there's old growth, there's old trees, and they might not necessarily be second growth or 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 young growth. There's a whole ways to conglomerate that. But anyway, yeah, what some kind of, the, of trees were they, by the way? Uh, we mainly looked at hemlock and yellow birch on the hike, but I got really interested in the stand of trees. I've got some other ties to that forest yeah. stand we went up into. So I went back, and I'm thinking, I'm like, you know what? I've been up here before. Maybe I could find some more. And uh, we found, so on the hike, we found a 47.7-inch hemlock, um, about 150 years old, according to Mike, a little older maybe, um, a 42.8-inch yellow birch and then i went back and found another hemlock 46.2 sugar maple 41.5 but my most impressive tree that i found was a 43 inch black cherry which is huge and out of place for that stand of trees and we talk about secession all you want but um mike kudis uh has a history of a blowdown that occurred in the 1840s that he believed was what gave enough sunlight to sprout those trees so anyway thanks for having me on you're welcome mike always appreciate it if you missed the show this was from the forest every wednesday 6 to 7 p.m we talk about a forest related topic good night night, everybody upon his mantle shining the face of one so dear who loved him in the springtime of a long forgotten year when the wildflowers did bloom Forest. She touched his grizzled fingers and she called.